Well, I want to I want to look first at our scripture this morning, and then I'm going to um, I'm kind of set it up, and then we'll dive right into it. I want to turn to John 14, and this is a um, an interesting uh, scripture, I should say, uh, uh, an interesting time because um, Jesus and the disciples were discussing something, and at this moment that we jump in. Uh, Jesus has, has kind of foreshadowed the fact that he's going to um, die and be resurrected and all that stuff. And then um, the disciples are kind of confused about it. How many of y'all have ever been confused? And you've been perplexed. You just don't quite understand what's going on. That, they did not understand what Jesus was talking about. They did not get it. And so jumping into the 8th verse, this is John 14, verse 8. Philip said, Lord Show us the Father and we will be satisfied. What, what they were saying here was, um, listen, we know that uh, we believe that you're the Messiah, but, but we need you to, to show us um, um, the Father and then we'll be satisfied. Show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied to you and he, he, Jesus replied to him and said, have I been with you all this time? Haven't I been with you all this time, Philip? And yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Turn to your neighbor or find somebody around you and tell them, say, it's time to know who God is. It's time to know who God is. It's time to know who God is. In order to function in today's society, you've got to really know who God is. How many of y'all have ever met a famous person? Somebody famous, somebody that's on TV, a celebrity or something like that. When I was in college, I went to Clemson University, and I met two times probably the most famous, the most current famous football coach alive the head football coach, Dabo Sweeney, the head football coach of Clemson Tigers. I met him twice. I mean, national championship coach. He's turned that program around. I was a student there when he took over. I, I met the guy. You, if I really wanted to be, you know, boastful or be, you know, whatever about it, I could say I know him. How many of y'all, how many of y'all you know, you'd be like, oh, I know him. I mean, I met him twice. I took a selfie with him. I, I, got, I mean, I pretty much, I know him. Pretty much we're best friends. I mean, I mean, I don't have his number or anything, but I mean, I know him. I know him. Come on, how many of y'all have done that? You don't really know somebody, but you want to pretend like you know somebody. You're like, oh, I, I, know, I don't know Dabo Sweeney. I have no idea. He doesn't know me more than he knows any of you or any of the, I mean, I just, I could say that because I've met him, but I don't really know him. I don't really, I, I remember one time when I was growing up, we were staying at the beach and we were staying in this, this set of condos, and they had a pool in the middle of the condos. And, and so we went down, and we were all playing the pool, me and my sisters, and um, I think some of our family were there, and we were, we were swimming. And all of a sudden, these four people came. It was two men and two women, and they jumped in the pool with us. And they're swimming around, and we're all playing, and, and then they get over in the hot tub, and we're all looking. And, and I started looking, and I finally went over to my, my mom. I said, hey, Mom. Is it just me, or do they, don't they look like the Power Rangers? I know it sounds crazy, but she said, you know what? 
They, they kind of do. And each one, as you look at them, you're like, okay, there's the, the white ranger, and there's the pink one, and that's the girl. I mean, really, that's the, there, there was, they, 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 the four main Power Rangers were there. Yeah. And so, I, so we went over, and I don't remember who talked to him first. I think my dad did, maybe, because we were all like, you know, I mean, do we ask them this, you know? And so what it was was they were doing a tour. This is no joke. The Power Rangers were doing a tour, and I don't know if they were lookalikes or the, like, original ones on the TV show. I don't know. But they were... Power Rangers were at our condo complex. So the same thing happened, right? We go and we like are meeting them. We're taking pictures with them. Now I'm best friends with the Power Rangers, right? I mean, I went back and I, I told my friends, like, I, you know, I know the Power Rangers. I know, I know them. But, I mean, truthfully, I, I, don't, I don't know the Power Rangers. I, I don't know Dabo Sweeney. I don't know any famous person. I mean, I've, I've met lots of famous people. I've been around. I've toured the world, all kinds of stuff. I, I, don't, I don't know them. I don't really know them. But it's important for us in our relationship with God to truly know who he is. To not just know about God, to not just know a few scriptures, but to have an understanding of who he is, of everything that I can understand. Now, I I know that God is, his ways are higher than our ways and all those things. That's true. And, And will I ever have a full understanding until I get to heaven? I don't know. But I know his word. And in his word, it's revealed to us who God is. So we have his word, which we believe is breathed by the spirit of God, that the holy men of old wrote the word, that, that the thousands of prophecies could only have come true if this was ordained by God. That his word, and I'm pointing to my iPad because my, my Bible is on my iPad, amen? His word is what we live by. His word is spirit and life. His word is what reveals to us who God is. So when we look at his word, we can see throughout his word what he's about and what he's not about. Because sometimes it's important to know somebody by knowing they wouldn't do that. Does that make sense? Like how many of y'all have ever had somebody accuse a friend of yours or a family member? Especially when somebody comes after your family. And you're like, no, no, no. I know them. They wouldn't do that. They wouldn't do that. They would never say that. They would never do that. And as a matter of fact, if you find out they did, you're really disappointed. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, right? Because you feel like you know somebody. See, the thing is, God's not a liar. So when we look at his word and we see it described to, 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 to us who God is and what he's about and what he, what, he, um, what he does and does not do, then we can understand and be able to to. Listen, if, if somebody ever came to me and said, that, oh, well, God did such and such, and, and I believe that, you know, see, here's what's happening in today's world. This is why I want to talk about this today. Because constantly, constantly, and I'm sure you've seen it because I've seen it. It's on my news feed all the time. There's some preacher that, that, that pops up or, or somebody posts something, and it's God took somebody's life. Or, you know, they say that, oh, well, well, the, the way to your, your blessing is that God's got to bring you to the pain. I saw something like that just yesterday. I was like, thank God. I know what I'm pa- talking about tomorrow. I know what I'm preaching on because, see, I don't believe that. I, I, I do believe that God's word says that he works all, thing, all things for the good. So that when I'm in a mess, God brings me out of the mess. But, see, what's important is, is if we go back to the mess, it's easy for us to say and blame everything that happens in our life on God. 
It's easy for us to do that. It's easy for us to say and point fingers, not at myself or not at somebody else or not at the world and just say, you know what? God must just be teaching me a lesson. And that's the easy way out. And that's what's happening. It's so easy and it's actually trendy. And I think especially for the younger generation, it's it's cool to just say, you know what? I mean, because nothing is our fault. Nothing is our fault. I mean, that's how I grew up. I mean, nothing is my fault. I mean, everything, listen, if I get in trouble at school, it's the teacher's fault. It's the teacher's fault. It's got to be some other kid because my boy is an angel. That's what my parents used to say. I was the, my sisters used to make fun because they would say that I was the golden child. I was the oldest and they grew up, you know, I was the golden child. That's what they would say. It's not true. I was not the golden child. I was not the go. I can't tell you, I probably shouldn't admit this, but I know that there were numerous instances where I just knew I was going to get it. I knew it, but, but my mom, just, she just thought I, he didn't do it. I know my son didn't do it. My dad was like, listen, my boy wouldn't have never done that. He would have never done it. My dad doesn't even talk like that. I don't know what voice that was. But, but no, listen, I mean, this is what happens, right? We grew up in that. And so, so then it turns into nowadays, we just blame God. Well, it has to be, it has to be God's fault. Many people wonder when they're going through something if it's God. And so I want to talk to you this morning, and I want to outline for you to know if what you're going through is God or if it's not. I want to outline if you are going through whatever you're going through, or maybe in the future you go through something, or in the past you go through something, you went through something, excuse me, and you're blaming that on God. I want to outline for you, and clearly with Scripture, there's going to be a lot of Scripture. If you got the new bulletin, there's a place for you to put notes on the back. And if you want to go out there and grab one, if you didn't get one when you came in, um, somebody will get it for you. Or there's one in the lobby. Feel free to go get one. Because I want you to take notes. Lots of scripture. Lots of scripture today. Because I want to combat. Maybe, see, I grew up in a church that, that taught like that. So it took the word for me to realize, oh, I see that God is good. I want to just start by saying that with me. If y'all repeat with me, say, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. We've got to understand that. We've got to understand it by the word. You need to know God to know what is from him and what is not. So we looked at John 14. And then, and then I want to look at this next scripture. So if you want to write that down, John chapter 14, verses 8 through 10. That's where Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right? That was Jesus' statement to Philip. Listen, bro, look. If you want to know what God looks like, haven't you seen me? Haven't you seen what I've done? Haven't you been? He, said, he actually corrected him first. He said, bro. He didn't say that, but that's what my interpretation. That's what he would have said today. Listen, bro. I, haven't I been walking with you? Haven't, didn't we just eat dinner last night? Didn't you just see me heal the 10 lepers? Didn't you see me? What, Pete, Philip, whatever your name is. Can, are you not paying attention? Do, listen, somebody go back to YouTube and show them the YouTube videos of me. Somebody go back and show him, did you not see what I've done? I think if he had had a Coke from McDonald's, he would have taken the top off and thrown it right in his face. I, I mean, really, he'd been like, wake up, wake up, Philip. I mean, listen, I, have you not seen, if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. How can you ask me to show you the Father when I've shown you me? That's what he said. So who was Jesus? That's the question then, right? Who was Jesus, okay? Acts 10, 38. Write that down. Acts 10, 38. 
It says how God anointed. Who anointed him? God. God the Father anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Say power. See, that's first. We got to know. Actually, if you really want to go back, we see John 1.1 says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. Jesus was the word. Then on top of Jesus being the word, Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then he, he did what? He went about doing good. Everybody say good. See, he went about doing good, and he went about being good, and he went about representing good, and everything he was was good. What else did he do with good and with this healing power, and with this Holy Spirit power? He went about healing all those who were oppressed by who? The devil. Everybody say devil. See, this is crucial. This is crucial. you got to get this to understand this principle of, okay, I need to know if what I'm going through is God or not, then I need to understand where things come from. And there's ultimately two sources, God and the devil, ultimately. Now, because of what the devil did, and he deceived Adam and Eve, then we, we, we actually have a couple things that have filtered into our world that I'm going to talk about in a second. But just get this concept first. God good, devil bad. Jesus went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. Will you put that verse back up there one more time? They were oppressed by the devil, for God was with Jesus. He healed all those who were oppressed by the devil. The devil does the oppressing. See, the devil is the author of confusion. That's another scripture that we read. The author of confusion. He's the, he would like to confuse us and cause us to believe that what we're going through had nothing to do with him. Had nothing to do with us. Had nothing to do with the world. It just had to do with, oh, big bad God. He's just mad at you. He's just really upset. You just really blew it. You really, I mean, you just, you were so terrible as a kid. You had such a terrible life. You just, you just couldn't keep it together. You just couldn't, you just didn't listen. You hadn't been to church in a year. That's why you're going through this. That's, those are lies from the devil. Those are real, real things, real things that people talk, and they'll come up and they'll say those things to me. They'll say, oh, well, well, I know why God's doing this to me. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, wait. Let me show you some more scripture to show you how you know what's, what's from God. Look, check this out. James 1.17. James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Everybody say that with me. Say every, every good gift. Say it again. Say every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Now check this out. There is no variation and no shadow of turning. Look at this next translation. It says, whatever is good and perfect is a gift. Whatever is good and whatever is perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. See, that, that, that tells me clearly that God cannot be good to me one day and bad to me the next. Because that would, that would mean that this verse is a liar and the Bible's not true. 
and we know that's not the case. We know that God's word is true. If he is not changed, he does not cast shifting shadows, then if God is good to me yesterday, then he is good to me tomorrow. And if there's something bad in my life, then where does it come from? So check this out. If it's good, it's God. Say it with me. Say, God good, devil bad. Come on, say it with me. Say, God good, devil bad. Jeremiah 29, 11. Here's another one. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. They are plans for good and they are plans not for disaster. They are plans to give you a future and a hope. That are the, those are the plans for God. Those are the plans that God has for you. Those are the plans that God wants in your life to give you a future, to give you a hope, to not cause disaster. If you're taking notes, I want you just to write down no disaster. That is God's plan for your life. If you see disaster in your life, if you see disaster show up, if you see calamity come up from any which way, it is not from God, period. Mic drop, done, period. That is it. If it's good, it's from God. If it's disaster, it's not from God. It's not from God. You know, I had numerous people, including people very close to me, that have, have gone through, and I'm going to use this as a, I don't, I don't know everybody's situation in the room. Um, I do know some, but I promise I didn't, this is, this is just an example I'm using for my own personal example, okay? My own personal life, I know this to be true because I've seen it in my personal life with people very close to me. So I'm not saying this about you, I'm using this as an example because it transcends to all kinds of things in our life. But there were people in my life, numerous who went through divorce, and they blamed the divorce on God. And the reason they blamed the divorce on God is because they said, well, I prayed and asked God to save my marriage, and it didn't work out. I, I prayed. I prayed in faith. I asked God to save my marriage, and it didn't work out. Now, with a marriage, just like many things in our life, this is probably one of the biggest things, but we have relationships with bankers or we have relationships with our bosses. I mean, obviously we're not married to them. Hopefully you're not married to your boss. That might be weird, but um, you know, we have relationships with, with, with these people in our lives. And, and here's something you've got to understand. You can't control them. And God is not controlling you or them. Now God leads you. And if they allow, God can lead them. Do you see the difference? And so if, if you pray and you ask God, God's plans, put Jeremiah 29, 11 back up. God's plans for, for you and for the other person is what? Good, not disaster, hope, and a future. That's his plans. If that other person doesn't walk in that, it's not your fault and it's not God's. Do you, do you see that? Please get that. Because you can't go around blaming God for something he didn't do. He, he didn't cause that other person to cheat on you. He didn't do, he would not have done that. Why on earth would God take a commandment? He said, thou shalt not commit adultery. Why would he take a commandment, cause someone else to cheat on you, to fornicate, to call, go outside of marriage, to, to commit adultery so that he could teach you a lesson? Does that make, I mean, who on the right mind would wake up and said, man, I hope God just ruins my marriage. 
No one. I mean, God ordained two things. He ordained the church and he ordained the family. He set the church in motion. He called his son, the groom, and his bride, the church. We are the church. And then he set in motion, okay, man shall marry woman and they shall start a family. And that is the two things that God set in motion himself and said that he blesses those things, okay? Why would he destroy that? That's not his plan. That's not his plan. So if, there is, if that happens, it's not because of God. Now, I'm going to tell you in a second why it happened, one of, one of a few ways of why it happened, but I want you to get this part first. It's not from God if it's a disaster. Plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. I mean, if someone took all your, someone stole all your money, God didn't do that. God's not a stealer. He's not, he's not. Now, now, why would we see something like that happen in our life? Why would we experience something like that then? I want to outline to you how we know it's not God. So first, how do we know it's God? It's good. It's perfect. It has a future. It has a hope. How do we know it's not God? Check this out. Write this down. There are three things that we fight. Three things that we fight. We fight three things. We fight the world, the flesh, and the devil. We fight the world, the flesh, and the devil. So earlier when I was saying it wasn't God, then it's going to be one of these things. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever the situation is, if it's not good, then it's the world, the flesh, or the devil. It's the world, the flesh, or the devil. The first scripture I'm going to look at with this is John 10.10. And I quote this one all the time, so I'm going to hit it from a different translation to just bring some fresh light to it. I really, I read this the other day from a different translation, and I thought this was great. John 10.10 says, The thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. Who is that? The devil. The devil comes to steal. He comes to kill and to destroy. And then he says this. Jesus said, My purpose. Everybody say, Jesus' purpose. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That's his purpose. There you see it as plain as day. I've hit you with what? How do we know it's from God? It's good. How do we know it's not from God? It's bad. God good, devil bad. Now, ultimately, the world, the flesh, and the devil. You know, I put the devil uh, number three there. uh, but, But the world is in the state that it's in because of what Satan did. And our flesh has the desires that it has because of the sin that's in this world because of what Satan did, because he deceived Adam and Eve. So ultimately, everything comes from Satan. But I want to break this down. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Write this down. Write the world. Everybody say it again. Say the world. John 16, 33 says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, here, right here on earth, you will have peace. Many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Do y'all see that? This is Jesus saying, look, I know what you're going to experience. I've been on this earth myself. I've been, I've I've walked in your shoes, literally. And you're going to have some stuff happen. You're going to have some stuff happen. Stuff is going to come your way. You're going to, you might lose a job. 
You might lose a family member. You might go through a bad breakup. You might go through stuff, but take heart because I have overcome the world. See, when we put our faith in the one who's overcome the world and we put our resources in him and we turn to the good God, this is why this is so important. It's because I would want to serve a God who's just banging me up all the time. Why on earth would I serve Jesus if every time I turn around, he just hit me with a baseball bat because I messed up yesterday? No, no, no. He says, he says, if you ask me to forgive you of your sins, I'll do it. I'm faithful and just to forgive you of all your righteousness, to cleanse you of all your sin. All you have to do is ask me to forgive you. I'm going to do it. So I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to bring you life. I'm here. I've overcome the world. And so this stuff you're going through is not some lesson. Let me teach you the lesson a different way. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up with how he teaches us. Number two, actually, one more verse. Psalm 34, 19. We're still on the world. Psalm 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Praise God. He delivers us out of them all. It doesn't matter what kind of afflictions I, I experience. It doesn't matter what kind of troubles I face. God doesn't bring the affliction. He doesn't bring. It says that if I'm righteous, I'm going to have afflictions. That cars are going to get sold out from under me. That, that, that doofus that should have let me, let me process the payment like he should have done and he didn't do it. It's going to happen. I was in faith. I wasn't doing anything wrong. I didn't mess up this week. Other than I should have just gone there myself and bought the car. That's probably the only thing I messed up. But I didn't do it. And so the guy messed up. He wouldn't let me do the money. They sold the car. I, you know, you might not even call that an affliction, but it was an affliction to me. Okay, that's my story. <laughs> and I'm sticking to it. Psalm 34, 19 in a different translation in the NLT. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each and every time. Write down rescue rescue. God is a rescuer. He comes to the rescue every time. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver you out of them all. So number one is the world. Number two, the flesh. Number two, the flesh. So number one, the world. Number two, the flesh. How many of y'all know that we have a body? We are a spirit. That's who we are. We have a soul, our mind, our will, and emotions, but we, we live in a body. And my flesh and my, my mind is made up of dirt. That's what God said. I mean, God made us out of dirt. He took clay and he formed us out of dirt. So that means that everything other than my spirit is dirt. God made me a new spirit when I got saved. I could teach you that on another, 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 another message, but just... Just know that our spirit is on the inside of us. Our body, our flesh, is going to want to do things that don't line up with the word. So sometimes, it's not God. It's not the devil. It's just my flesh. I got in a ton of debt in college. You know, God didn't sign one of those student loans. God didn't sign up for that credit card debt. I did this stupid thing from, um, have you ever seen those uh, travel agency things where you sign up for it and, and they sell you on it because if you do it, it's like a marketing thing. If you do it for a little bit of time, by the end of it, you're going to have this many days of vacation and by the time you, you get a family, 
because you're young, you're in college right now, it's only so much money. But later down the road, it'll pay for itself, and then you have all this vacation time, and by the time you have a... Y'all, it was thousands of dollars before I got done with college, and I didn't even know what I signed up for. Never got one vacation. I don't want to tell you the name of it, but it had a, it had a stupid name, too. But anyways, I should have listened. God didn't make me sign up for that. God didn't make me do that. I didn't listen. I wasn't in church. I wasn't serving God. I wasn't, I, I mean, I don't know what I was doing. I don't know what I was thinking. But a couple of my friends did it. I figured I would do it. And here we are. Hey, man, look, this is going to be great. We're going to have vacation time. We'll go vacation together when we're old. It's going to be awesome. They just got tons of money from me. I had to call and settle with them. Big mess. God didn't do that. That was me making a dumb decision. 1 Corinthians 9.27 says this. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Check out this translation. But I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. What Paul's saying here is I don't want to be disqualified. I don't want to disqualify myself. So I take my flesh and I put it under subjection. I take it and I, I tell my body, I tell my flesh what to do. Well, how can you wait? Hold on. Was Paul schizophrenic? No, <laughs> he's not schizophrenic. He knew and he understood that he was a spirit. The real him, the real Paul on the inside tells his flesh, no, you're not going to do that. See, you know that that feeling you get when you know you shouldn't do something? That's your spirit. That's your conscious saying, don't, don't do that. And if you train yourself to listen to that, if you train yourself to listen to that, then you won't, mess, you won't, you won't cause yourself all these, all these calamities, all these, all these things. Yes, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Stuff may come. But listen, I know stuff may come, but I don't want, I don't want the stuff that I go through to be my fault. I want to exercise wisdom. I want to, I want to make sure that I'm not going through stuff just because I can't, I can't discipline myself. Paul said we've got to do that. Number three, I've got to wrap this up. Number three, the devil. Number three, the devil. So the world, the flesh, and the devil. Ephesians 4.27 says, neither give place to the devil. Don't give the devil a foothold. Y'all see that up there? Do not give the devil a foothold. I said this I think on a Thursday night, our Thursday night Bible studies have been awesome. I encourage you, if you can make them come every Thursday, 7 p.m. We have something for the kids. We do a Bible study. It's a little bit of a different format. And, um, and, and we're able to dive in, do, you know, questions. And people can, can really, we can really study some stuff out. And I said this, it's kind of like giving the devil real estate. You wouldn't give away your house. I mean, if I owned an acre of land and somebody came up and just said, you know what? I'm, I got my construction crew here. And uh, we're all going to start building this house. You'd say, yeah, go right ahead. I'll tell you what. Why don't you just tear down my house and build it right here on top of mine? How many of y'all know that's, that's not right? I mean, nobody would do that, right? You wouldn't, give any, you wouldn't give away your real estate. If you own that real estate, listen, buddy, you're going to have to buy it. I mean, you're going to have to buy my land. I'm not giving you my land. You're not building one. As a matter of fact, I'm going to put a fence right here, and you're not going to put a flower bed on my property. I mean, that's how, that's, don't give the devil any real estate. We fight the world, we fight the, de- we fight the flesh, and we fight the devil. Now, I want to wrap up with this because I think all this is good teaching, and I could talk for a while about the devil and how he got in the position that he's in and all that stuff. That's uh, another day. But what I, want to, what I want to wrap up with is how does God teach us? 
How does God teach us? Because that's, that's the, the common theme that I see this out there when people misquote and, and they give credit to God for bad things. The reason they do that is because they're saying that God teaches us through these bad things. I want to explain how God teaches you from the word, not from some, some catchy phrase, not from some religious colloquial phrase that your mommy and your daddy said, and this, they said it because their grandparents said it. No, I want to tell you from the word how God teaches you. This is how God teaches you. You ready? God teaches by his word and by his spirit. God teaches by his word and by his spirit. He doesn't teach us by stuff. If you go through something, all right, let's say, I, let's go back to my, my example of the debt I was in. I asked God for wisdom on how to get out of it and how to never do that again. Number one, he taught me how to tithe and be a giver. Number two, he taught me how to budget. No joke, one night I was sitting at home. You can ask my wife. I was sitting at home. We were watching TV or something like that. And all of a sudden, I fell in my spirit to look up budget apps. Because I had been praying and asking God for how to, how to get better with our money and how to increase our money. And I didn't think that there was a pay raise coming, that there were things that we could do in our budget and in our finances to increase our money. And I just was praying about that. I was asking the Lord for that. And he showed me a budget app that I had heard about before. Then he taught me how, no joke, this is no joke. I, I read through their material and God showed me through their material because I didn't do everything verbatim how they outlined it. It was like, I, I was like, I could just cherry pick. Oh, I, we need to do that. And this will help me. Oh, and this really works for me and my personality. Oh, this works for how my wife and I work and how our budget looks. And we, I, I'm just telling y'all, my budget, our budget is pretty pristine. I mean, I can look at to the dollar and tell you where we spend our personal money, where our money goes, how our budget goes, how, how, where we're overspending, underspending, all those kinds of things. God, God showed me how to do that. Not because, he didn't have to, to, to have me go into debt with some real estate company and student loans and have all these thousands of dollars of debt in order to teach me how to budget. That did not have to happen. I did that. I made the mistakes then God brought me out of it. Let's go back to our scripture, right? Because we know this all by the word. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. See, he delivered me out of my issue, my mistake. He teaches us by his word. Let me support this with some scripture. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, so why is the word given to us? Number one, it's given to us for doctrine. Number two, for reproof. For saying, nope, that ain't right. For reproof. For, for, three, for correction. For instruction and in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's why the word is given. That we may be equipped and may be complete for every good work. So let's go back to verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. So God inspired it. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction. That's why God's word was given. That's one of the ways God teaches us. And then also by his spirit. And I, just for the sake of time, I'm going to jump over there. I encourage you to go read 2 Timothy chapter 3. It'll, it'll, it'll blow your mind even more of what, what God you know, how God uses his word to teach us. But 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 
by his spirit. He also teaches us by his spirit. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. Y'all know that scripture that says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, right? The, the things that God has in store for those that, right. This is right after that. So it is true that our eyes haven't seen and our ears haven't heard the things that God has in store for us. All of that is true and God's blessings are true. And when a pastor quotes that, it is right. But then it goes on to explain how those things that we haven't seen and we haven't heard and our eyes haven't conceived yet, how do they come? By his spirit. How are they revealed to us? How will I know? Y'all get this. Let me read the scripture first and then I'm gonna blow your mind. Ready? But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Go to verse 12. 1 Corinthians 2, that was verse 10, this is verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, see that, not the world, but the spirit who is from God, capital S, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So the, the things that, that, that God promises us, I'll, I'll know that it's from him by my spirit. Because his spirit speaks to my spirit. Romans 8 tells us that. His spirit bears witness with my spirit. I'll know who God is. I'll know what's from him based on his word and what his word teaches me and by his spirit, which will confirm it. Y'all get that? The things that, that, that God promises in his word that he tells us will come to pass, I'm going to know that it's from him because his spirit will confirm it to me. His spirit will reveal it to me. I have not received the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God. I want to encourage you and implore you this morning, do not ever let someone tell you, just like you would defend a family member when someone talked bad about them, don't let someone talk bad about your God. When you, you hear somebody at work, you say, no, mm-mm. God didn't do that. Uh, listen, sister, I'm sorry, but God didn't do that to you. And they're going to say, oh, well, he was, you know, he just had me go to the hospital. He gave me cancer, so I go to the hospital to witness to Jenny Sulu who, and, and, and to tell her about Jesus. Well, why don't you just go without cancer? I mean, can't you go to the hospital without the disease? And, and I mean, listen, it's all great if while in the hospital, God leads you to, to, to speak to somebody and you witness to them and they get saved, praise God. I'm not discounting that. What I'm saying is, is God didn't give you cancer for you to do that. He wanted her saved anyways. We know that his word says that he wants all to be saved and all to come to know him. So, so he doesn't need to put sickness on somebody to get somebody saved. He doesn't need to put calamity in their life to get somebody saved. No, he is good. As a matter of fact, the word says, this just jumped up in my spirit. Y'all catch this. The Bible says that it's the goodness of God that calls men into repentance. And I'm sorry, I don't have the chapter or verse to quote it, but if you want to know, I'll look it up right after the service and I'll tell you what it is. I know it's in the word because the spirit just reminded me of it. The goodness of God brings men or calls men to repentance. In other words, they want to repent because they know God is good. Not because I, there's some calamity in my life. There's some, no, listen, God is good. God is Good. He is good all the time and all the time. God is good. We all say that with me as we close. Just say, God is good, God is good. All, the all the time. And all the time, God is good. One more time, as you actually let's stand as we, as we close. Just stand with me. Say, God is good, God is good. All, the time. all the time. And all the time, God is good.